we're waiting, would you please open your Bibles in Matthew 12. Matthew 12, and we're going to read from verse 22. It's good to bring your Bible, even if it's an electronic one. You've got a phone, am I right? You've got a phone. If you've got a phone, you can download an app. Okay. <laughs> then you've got a Bible. So it's like, just do some effort. Huh? I know you've got games on there and Strava and all those things and heart rate monitors. Just download a Bible too. It's not a difficult. Go, U version, download, click, mark up. It's very, very easy. It's a good example. To say to other people also to have your Bible and know where, at least where some of the books are. I also struggle to find Hebrews. I don't know. When I look for the book of Hebrews, I cannot find it. it it's just, it's gone. So I saw, told somebody the other day, I don't know why I can't find it. He says, yes, because it's gone. He's gone to make some coffee. Hebrews, you know. <laughs> so I, I battle, I battle with Hebrews. Okay, so the, 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 the sermon title that I have today, I'm playing a little bit with words, as you know I always do, is Having a Strong Man's House. Interesting, you can go look on YouTube. The guy that this, did the strongest deadlift in the world, Eddie Hall, he is currently probably the strongest man in the world. He deadlifts 500 kilograms. That's half a ton from that position to there. That is phenomenally strong. Eddie Hall, a guy from the UK, very, very strong guy. So, Jesus talks about a strong man in this passage, and we're going to look a little bit up about that, and where would a strong man reside, what a strong man is, and what will it take to possess the strong man's house? Because that's what you want. You want the strong man's house. Okay, so let's read this together. Before we read that, we must understand that the gifts of the Spirit work by love. The gifts of the Holy Spirit works by love. It's when love activates the gifts. Love for people. Not love for fame, love to look good, love for money. Love for people activates gifts. That's when the gifts of the Holy Spirit work. Jesus is functioning in this. Verse 22, Then one was brought to him who was demon-possessed. The consequences of this possession was that he was blind and mute. And Jesus healed him so that the blind man and the mute man, the blind and the mute man both spoke and saw. And the multitudes were amazed and said, could this be the son of David? Well, when they say that, could this be the son of David, they're saying, could this be the Messiah? They're questioning, because this is another sign that Jesus has this, this authority to cast out demons, to heal. And they knew from Scripture that, that this, is, this is the Messiah's work. And now they're looking at Joseph's son. They say, could this be... David's son. Could this be the Messiah that was prophesied about? Now when the Pharisees heard it, they said, so when the Pharisees heard what? That he cast out the demon. That he healed the blind and the mute man. This fellow does not cast out demons except by the Lord of the flies, Beelzebub. Okay? The ruler of of the demons. So you must understand that in the spiritual hierarchy there is rank. There's rank. Jesus came, and I want you to just understand, Jesus came not so much to expose or to teach or to preach on darkness, on the demonic. His message is all about the kingdom of God. The whole time. So don't get caught up in being worried about the demonic or the dark. Don't get caught up in there. That's just a tool the enemy will use to preoccupy you. 
for what is not important. And what is important is the kingdom of God. Jesus came to establish the kingdom of God. So now they say, you see, so there's a ruler of demons. This guy's called Beelzebub, Lucifer, Satan. That's his name. He is the ruler of the. They say, the Pharisees say, no, he doesn't cast out demons by the Spirit of God, but he casts them out by darkness. Why are they saying this? Because they want to discredit Jesus. They want to dishonor him. They don't want to believe that he's the Messiah. But Jesus knew their thoughts and said to them, Every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation. And every city or house divided against itself will not stand. And I want you to underline the words city and house if you do underlining in your Bible. Okay. If Satan casts out Satan, he is divided against himself. How then will his kingdom stand? And if I cast out demons by Beelzebub, by whom do your sons cast them out? Therefore, they shall be your judges. But if I cast out demons by the Spirit of God, surely the kingdom of God has come upon you. What is Jesus focusing on here? The kingdom of God. The light. Okay. Or how can one enter a strong man's house, plunder his goods, unless he first binds the strong man, then he will plunder his house. He who is not with me is against me, and he who does not gather with me scatters. You see, this guy was demon-possessed. Because he was demon-possessed, he caused the mute and the blindness. So Jesus comes and he says, okay, I can't heal until I take this guy, demon out. Now, can a believer be possessed? Probably not. Can a believer be oppressed by demonic forces? Yes. Okay. So we're going to talk a little bit about what does that mean this morning. Anything that involves torment. If you are tormented, if a person is tormented by constant negative thoughts, there's demonic activity. If a person is constantly tormented by inferiority, somebody says something and makes you feel inferior all the time, a consistent thing, that's there's demonic influence. There's oppression there. Suicide, constant thoughts of suicide. Anger, constant anger. There is demonic oppression. Habitual drunkenness. There's demonic oppression. You see, I want you to see what Jesus does. He doesn't get angry at the person. He doesn't start belittling the person. Oh, you are so this and this and this and that. He identifies what the problem is. He says, there's a strong man operating in this person's life. And it's making him blind to see the kingdom of God. And it's muting him to speak about the kingdom of God. What I'm going to do is I'm going to take this strong man and remove it from this person. And then he will see the kingdom of God. And he will speak about the kingdom of God. What will he not speak about? He will not speak about the kingdom of darkness anymore. Because that strong man is removed. He will not be interested diving down that. No, he will you speak about the Savior. You don't speak about how big the waves were. You speak about the guy that saved you. That guy saved me. I was drowning, but he saved me. I was lost, but he saved me, found me. I was blind, but now I can see. See, the focus shifts completely. If I can't do it, there's demonic interference in my life. And FFI, I like FFI, Craig Hill teaches about 
iniquities that get passed on. And this plays a role in it right here, right now. Because many of us sitting here struggle with things like lust and anger and depression and anxiety, um, even poverty. We struggle with that and we wonder where did it come from? Well, it can come from previous generations. You see, when Jesus is talking about, and I want you to follow with me here, it says, unless I bind the strong man, I cannot take his house. So, where would the strong man live? He would live in us. So Jesus says, I want to bind that strong man, and I want to take his house. Where would God live if we are, if we, what does the word say? We become the temple of the Holy Spirit, and he resides in us. And then there's a little couch in the corner of our lounge called Depression. Or anger or lust and we can't understand why we're constantly battling with this specific thing we're just constantly battling with that because it comes from previous generations now I want to I want us to minister and allow the Holy Spirit to do a work right here right now we don't have to go further but I've got more I do have more but this is where we are to say Lord I'm struggling with X, and I'm tired of that. I'm tired of that. You see, you've got to be tired of something. If you're still like, well, I'm still going to manage it. I'm still going to work. I'm still going to... <laughs> you're not ready to let go of that. You still want that chair in your lounge that has that name on it. Are you tired of that chair? I'm for one tired of that chair. So if you're tired of that chair, I want you to just close your eyes with me. And we're going to pray together. And you're going you're gonna to pray with me and you're going to fill in. And I'm not going to pray something funny. You can just pray under your breath because the Lord can hear. And it's a very simple prayer. It's, Father, I come to you. Lord, I have this chair of lust. Give it a name. In my lounge. Lord, I don't know where it comes from. But I confess it as my sin. I'm sorry. I'm sorry that I've partaken of that. I'm sorry that I've walked in it. I'm sorry that I went to sit in that chair and made it part of my identity. Lord, I ask you now in Jesus' name that you would cut off me and my house from whosoever in my forefathers opened that door. I bless them. And I release them in Jesus' name. Father, in the place of that chair that you now remove, I want to place a blessing. If it was anger, I replace it with a blessing of peace. If it was lust, I'll replace it with a blessing of purity. If it was depression, I'll replace it as a blessing of joy. You know what you're praying the, the Lord for. Speak a blessing into that thing now in your life. Just speak a blessing into that thing.
she, what Jesus does is he says, I'll take that strong man and I command him to leave right now in Jesus' name. And every single one of those strongholds we break. Every one of those iniquities, every demonic force, now in the name of Jesus, I command you to leave this building, leave these people as they confess and as they release and they pray blessing into that place. I command you to leave right now in the name of Jesus. You've got no longer hold of it. And now, listen carefully, church. Don't doubt. Don't doubt. You see, in James 1.8, it says, A double-minded man. You can open your eyes again. A double-minded man. Just go to James 1.8 for us. is unstable in all his ways. See, because you can believe with your mind and your heart believes something different. See, God will provide. I believe it with my head. God will provide. But I'm so concerned about my income. I'm so concerned about my... I'm double-minded. I need to get this in line with this. I need to get it in line. And say, This is it. This is it. This is what the Word of God says, and I believe it. I'm not going to be like a waif in the ocean, being tossed to and fro. To and... This is what the Word of God says, and I'm mocking fuss here. I'm settling it. I'm putting a stake in the ground, and I'm not moving regarding this. I'm not moving. James 4. Listen. Listen to what it says. You adulterers, you know not that friendship of the world is enmity or war with God. Whosoever therefore would be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or think ye that the scripture speaketh in vain? Does the spirit which ye made to dwell in us long unto envying. What does that mean? God longs for you alone. He doesn't want to share the lounge of your heart. It belongs to Him and Him alone. But He gives more grace. Who, for who does He give more grace? For the Scriptures that God resists the proud, but He gives grace to the humble. You see, what does that sound like? It sounds like this. I struggle with my temper. That's humbleness. When you start talking about my, your iniquities, you start talking about your shortcoming, and you take that mask off of, I'm okay. I got it all covered. God gives more grace when there's humility. When we say, Lord, I'm broken here. Lord, I'm struggling with this thing. I'm struggling with that thing. But subject therefore unto God. That word subject, submit. Submit to God. And we're going to look at the word submit just now. Resist the devil. See, it starts by submitting. You can resist the devil all day long. But if you've not submitted to God, he will not flee. You will not flee. Why? Because you have to submit to God. It's His kingdom at work. Not your strength. Not your arrogance. I will resist you. <sighs> the demon is called a strong man. Alright? The kingdom of God is the one that binds the strong man. Does that make sense? You have to submit to the kingdom of God. Let's go back, sorry. But resist the devil and he will flee from you. If he's not fleeing, check your submission. Check your submission. Carry on. Draw near to God. How do I draw near to God? I can do it fake. With my Christian niece. Lord, we thank you for this food. I can draw near to God with all these habitual things. That's not drawing near to God. It is in spirit 
and in truth that I draw near to Him. It's when I actually break down and put all the chips on the table and say, this is who I am, Lord. And then go to your spouse and tell him or her the same thing. Draw near, and he will draw near to you. Clean your hands. What is that, clean your hands? Stop with what sin you are busy with. Stop. Stop lying. Stop cheating. Stop loading. Stop whatever. Stop. Stop. Get your hands clean, you sinners, and purify your hearts. How do you purify? You say what's wrong in here and you bring it out. Lord, I'm scared. Lord, I feel insecure. Lord, I get it all. Just what we prayed just now. And he says, you double-minded. You see, when we don't do that, our heart and our minds don't stroke. Anybody that knows about anything about cars know they, they need to fire in sequence. If they don't fire in sequence, it's a mess. Our hearts and our minds need to be in sequence. Because the first part of this owning a strong man's house is that we are the first part of that. We are the residents of the Holy Spirit. And God wants to own us. He wants, us to be in, he wants to be in charge, and He wants to know that He's the only one sitting on the throne of your heart. He's jealous for your heart. It's you and Him alone. There's no third party in there. Some people have made their families and their children and their parents sit on the throne of their heart. Some people have made the guy that molested them or robbed them sit on the throne of their heart. By not forgiving and releasing their fame and their riches to sit on the throne. No, no. There's only one seat there, and it belongs to Jesus. And we have to dethrone whatever wants to be in there. And say, so, no, no. I am not at war with God. I'm at peace with God. And He alone sits here. All right. That's the one part. The second part is our families. Ephesians 5.22, the, the, the men love this part. They just love it. And the women don't. Especially in our culture and the world we live in. Where it says, wives, be in subjection or submit unto your own, very important, own husband as unto the Lord. So I want to read you that word for submit as it's a Greek word. It's pronounced hupotaso. Hupotaso. Okay? And here are some of the words from the Strongs. It says, be subordinate. Wives, be subordinate to your husbands. Okay, all the women that like that, just put up your hand. Don't lie now, ne? <laughs> okay? Be under obedience. Be put under. Be in subjection. Submit yourself unto your husband. Listen to this part. Reflexively obey him. In our modern culture, women reflexually disobey and come against their husbands. And God says, I want you to reflexively submit. That must be your first reaction. Yes. The men like that. Eh? The women don't. But let's carry on. Let's keep on reading. So, this is what God wants. Why? For the husband is the head of the wife. Now, this in our modern culture is frowned upon. You see, what I want you to understand here is this is not difference in value. It's difference in function. Same value, different function. Modern day, no, us women can do whatever men can do. Sure, you can. Go for it. But what happens is a woman cannot handle the type of stress. And we see that in the corporate world. Okay. For the husband is the head of the wife. And this is now the part that qualifies this for the husband. As Christ also is the head of the church, 
being himself the savior of that body. Husband, you need to be the savior of your woman. If you're the head of the body or the head of the wife, then like Christ is the head of the church and he is the savior of the, as a husband, I must be the savior of my wife. I must fight for her, not against her. Let's carry on. But as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives also be to their husbands in everything. So what's he saying? Husband, you need to be subject to God. Reflexively be subject to God. The Lord says something, obey it. If not, I can't come to my wife and say, but why are you not submitting? Sir, because you're not submitting. You're out of line. It doesn't start with you, mister. It starts with the Lord. We submit, and then the wife submits. That's where it's supposed to be. Husband, love your wives, even as Christ also loved his church and gave himself up for it. Can you see that the husband, remember we want a strong man's house. First part is us and then our physical family, our house. We want a strong man's house. So the woman must submit. The man must submit to God and he must love his wife. How? By giving himself up. How do you give yourself up? There where you struggle, you give that up. Now, one of my very, very weak, weak spots in my life is I can be proper lazy at home. Proper. Uh, honestly, I'm, I'm good at being lazy at home. And my missus keeps on having to speak to me because I'm lazy at home. And then the Lord speaks to me and says, you've got to give yourself up. Because I'm, I'm lazy. I'll come home, walk to the kitchen, get myself a cup of coffee, go sit and drink a cup of coffee and not make anybody anything. <laughs> just, it's just me. And my missus was like, you don't think of making me a cup of tea? No, I did not. <laughs> I'm sorry. Would you like a cup of tea? And then it's obviously the, the horse is bolted. Am I right? So I'm too lazy. So now can I hide behind? Well, that's just who I am. No, no, I've got to lay down my life. And say, get up. And I actually challenge myself to get up in the morning to make her a cup of tea. I failed tremendously, but I'm trying. Okay, It's laying down your life. Just go back for me, please. And give yourself up for her. So if you're struggling with depression, you'll lay that down to show your love for your wife. Because you want her to submit. Am I right? You want her to submit to you. You need that honor. You lay down the stuff that keeps her from honoring you. You love her with that. If it's your temper, you die in your temper. Does that make sense? All right, thank you. That he might sanctify. So Jesus sanctifies us by laying down his life, having cleansed us by the washing of the water with the word. The word is like water. So what are you speaking over your wife? You're useless. You're lazy. You don't, you don't satisfy my needs. What are you speaking over your wife? Well, let's see what Jesus speaks over his bride. See, this is my bride. I'll make her white as snow. I've redeemed her. He doesn't call his bride sinners anymore. He calls them saints. Okay, so if you're still walking around with the label, I am a sinner, please come to me so we can get you saved. Because Jesus... When she saves you, you're no longer a sinner. You're a saint that has sin. You're not a sinner living in sin. 
We need to get you saved. Jesus washes his bride with his word. He prophesies over her. He says how beautiful he is. And all the things he'll do. He lifts her up. What are you doing to your wife? What are you speaking over? You see, the minute we start seeing this, how easy it is for the woman to submit now. Ma'am, you satisfy my every need. Thank you. Your food is brilliant. I love your company. I love how creative you are with this. I love how you do that. How good you raise the kids. You start speaking. Wash her with your words. Because the world and the enemy is already telling her that she's not good enough. That she's not built well enough. She doesn't fit the profile of what's hot, a trophy wife. The world's already telling her that. It's our, then a woman will submit because she starts feeling safe. The next part of the family to be a strong man, I'm talking to the younger ones now, the kids, is children, obey your parents in the Lord. Let's just stop there. There are two parents that you have, two sets of parents. I'm not talking about divorced couples having, no, no, no. I'm talking about two sets of parents. You've got parents in the Lord. All right? Those are the people that might have led you to the Lord, the cell leader. It might even be the peanut standing in front. Okay? Obey them. And because you'll see now. For this is right. Children. So he's talking to all of us. All of us, John Jock. All of us. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. When Fanny speaks to me, I sit up straight and I listen. Fanny phones me. He says, I don't like that Facebook post. Take it off. Yes, sir. Boop, off. Fanny phones me. He says, I listen to your sermon. You can never say that again. Yes, sir. We'll never do that again. Sorry. I obey my parent in the Lord, for it is right. And then it says, honor your father and your mother. I want you to read there with me that it says because they were good. Honor your father and mother because they were good parents. Honor your father and mother because they had enough money. Honor your father and mother because they never got divorced. Honor your father and mother because your dad never got angry. Your mother never screamed at you. Honor them because they were perfect. Does it say that? No. It says you honor father and mother. Why? For this is a command. So that, which is the first command with a promise. It's written there. Not me preaching well. It's written there. There's a promise there. Let's go over. That it may be well with you. That you may live long in the earth. You want it to go well with you. Young ones. Honor your mom and your dad. You honor them. So can you see how we become have a strong man's house? Husband submits to the Lord. He loves his wife. The wife submits to the husband. Okay. The children come and they honor father and mother. The kingdom of God has now encircled you. And nothing can penetrate that. Nothing can penetrate that. That it may be long with you. Okay, check to the next verse. I've got some good verses for you this morning. The next one, please. This is in Proverbs. I've done Proverbs 28 to 24. Who robs his father and mother and says, It is no transgression. The same, that child or that person is a companion of a destroyer. Listen, if you rob your parents of your obedience and of your honor and of your respect and say that's nothing. I'm not even talking about stealing the chocolate out the fridge or money out the wallet or their cigarettes, you know, like me when I was nine. Steal my mom's cigarettes. Okay, who robs his father and his mother of that honor and that respect that is due to them? 
and says, well, this is nothing. I'm not going to listen to them. Whatever, they're old school. And then roll their, your eyes and, oh, yeah. Okay? That same is a companion of a destroyer. Who's the destroyer? You want to be known as a companion, walk hand in hand with the enemy? No, you don't rob your parents of nothing. You give them all the honor that you have in your heart. Not because they lived up to your standards. Not because they, they make it. Because if it wasn't for them, you wouldn't be alive. They are the instruments God chose to bring you into this world. End of story. Don't rob them. Good. The next one is for congregation. So we're starting at having a strong man, the house of a strong man. It's me as an individual. I have to purify my heart, make sure that the only throne and the only person on the throne is the Lord Jesus Christ. And I have to deal with whatever makes me blind to the see the kingdom of God and whatever makes me mute to speak about the kingdom of God. The second is my house. And we're talking about those submissions and honor. And the third part is congregational. Listen, and the Lord said, For as much as this people draw near to me with their mouth and with their lips, do honor me, but have removed their heart far from me. Lip service. You see, communities can walk in lip service. Churches are filled with lip service. We go to church on Sunday because it's what our buddies do. And we've found a group of people where we feel we belong. But our heart is far from the Lord. It's far from the Lord. And the fear of the Lord is the commandment of men which have been taught them. Rather than fearing God from my heart because I know who He is and what He has done for me and I love Him. I've got this reverential fear. I am walking in an act as if God is important and high and lifted up. And I act in a certain manner like I fear the Lord. I've got reverential fear for the Lord. I've got reverence for the Lord. You see, if we want to have a strong man's house, yeah, this congregation. It starts with individuals, families, and then as a collective. There has to be a reverential fear of the Lord. Sign one that I have got a reverential fear of the Lord is I bring my Bible. I start saying this is important. Sign number two is I worship. I don't look at my neighbor. I don't skinner about people. I don't find the faults in others anymore. As a collective, a reverential fear of the Lord as a people is nine o'clock is nine o'clock. That makes sense. Getting involved is another sign as a collective that we have got a reverential fear of the Lord because it's His body. Am I right? See, I can't say I love the Lord, but I don't like His body. Go say that to your wife tonight. I love you, but you know your body. Mm -mm. Doesn't do it for me. You're going to move to the free state, ne? Welcome. That's where you're going to sleep and welcome. <laughs> you, see, you can't say, I love the Lord, but I hate His body. I'm not going to go to church. I'm not going to get involved in His body. I'm not going to be a member. I've got my tentacles out. No. That's lip service. See, the Scripture confronts us. Each one of us. I can't say I love the Lord. And when somebody phones me, when I'm sick and I don't feel like it, I don't get up and don't go there at the house. Then it's just lip service. 
as the Lord said, for as much as these people draw near to me with their mouth and with their lips, they honor me, but have removed their heart far from me. As a parent, you immediately know when your child's heart is closed to you. We're not smarter than God. He knows when our hearts are truly closed to Him. When our hearts are open, volunteerism happens. We start volunteering immediately. We say, where can I help? How can I help as a collective? Let's go to the next scripture. John 17, 21. That they may be, and this is Jesus praying. Jesus praying for us. He's praying for the church. This is, a, this is a prayer of our Savior. That they may be one in unity. Have one mind. Saying we want to do something. As thou, Father, art in me and I in thee. That they also be in us. That the world may believe that you sent me. You see, it's when the church coming to unity, walking together, loving one another, serving one another, that the world will see Christ has come. If I may use you as an example, Kay. When Kay wasn't saved, like most of us, okay? There was a time we had a BC before Christ in our lives. And at that stage, we were handing out food parcels at church. And Kay came here, and we asked her, you know, please come and help. And the camaraderie is what unlocked her heart. The camaraderie of the Christian, of the body of Christ, unlocked her heart. She says, yes, something I haven't seen. There must be a Jesus, and she got saved. You see, when church starts working in unity and starts flowing in the same direction, starts speaking the same language, we become a strong man's house. Who's our strong man? Jesus. He starts putting his feet down. He says, oh, I can do something. You see, so much so. Who's doing the 10-minute challenge? Just put up your hand if you're doing the 10-minute day challenge. I encourage you, read your Bible 10 minutes a day aloud. So you've read the story of the Tower of Babel. Who's come past that part already? Why did God stop them? Because they were in unity for an unrighteous thing. How much more will God be Establish himself when they are in unity for his kingdom. You see, as a church, we want to be a strong man. As a family, we want to be a strong man's house. We want to be that. As an individual, I want to be a strong man. And my strong man is Jesus. So, out with all this other. Jesus, you come in here. In my family, out with all these other things, Jesus, you come. This congregation. Out with all these other things, Jesus, you come. And we become a strong man's house. And the glory which thou hast given me, I have given unto them, that they may be one, even as we are one. God wants us to dwell in unity. He wants us to dwell in unity. He wants us to dwell together, speak the same language, not have our own agenda, agendas. That's, where, that's how we're going to possess a strong man. That's, not what, that's the last scripture, eh? Yes, I believe that is. Psalm 133 verse 1. Behold how good and pleasant it is when brethren dwell together in unity. Now tell me, can the kingdom of darkness come against that? Can it stand? No. If you as an individual sought out that Jesus is the Lord and not mammon because you can't serve two masters and your family is sorted and this house is sorted, we've become a strong man's house. We've, we have it. We possess it. And then it's lovely. It's pleasant. And the world will see that Christ has come. 
And that's what we want. That's why church exists. Church exists. It's the only organization that exists for non-members. It's to reach the lost. See, we've started a hashtag, each one bring one. If we are in unity, when you see it, you will like it. If we are in unity, if we're walking together and we're talking the same thing, you will put it under your post, each one bring one. You'll start promoting, you make that thing go viral, each one bring one. Each one, if we're in unity, if we're walking together, if we become that strong man's heart, this is, this is what it means to walk this out. It's practical. We will invite people to church. We say, listen, we've got this light thing. I'm going to be part of the light thing. We've got this prayer thing. I'm going to be part of this prayer thing. We've got this fasting thing. I'm going to be part of the fasting. We've got communion on Sunday nights. We had 20 people last Sunday for communion. I loved it. Oh, we've got communion. What I want us to do this morning with communion is I want the husbands and the fathers to come and get for your family. If you're alone here as a woman, you come and stand by me. All right? If you're alone here as a husband, as a man, you come stand by me. Okay? So won't you just stand up, gentlemen, and come and get for your families. Because this is part of getting that place in where we, where we honor the Lord. And we say, I can my house right, Mark. It's the wife of the house. Where's my vrouw? Say, we must come. Monica. Yes. yes, he's by her. He's by us. He's by us. Skyfi stoelen, man. Let's make black sit. Make yourself gemakkelijk. Make yourself comfortable. Look how many people need a place. Can you see that? I want you to see it. See how many people need a place. Look at that. Scave pick it off, scave pick it off. I can't. We're not doing it Roman Catholic, okay? <laughs> I want to make an example here of how. <laughs> That's what service is about. It's about saying, how can we love? How can we love? How can we make people feel belong? Look at that. Father, as we stand here and we, we take your communion, 
Lord, it, it brings us to a place where we become family, where we belong. And as individuals, we want to come and declare, Lord, that you are the only king. You alone are seated on the throne of our hearts. As families, Lord. We make you the head of the family. We, as men, we come and submit so that our wives can submit, so that it will be easy for our children to honor us. Lord, as a congregation, we stand together in unity. Say, this is a strong man's house, and our strong man is Jesus. He shed his blood for us, and you can take that element now. So he can remove our sins and wash us clean by his word. And he broke his body, he had his body broken for us that we might be healed physically, emotionally, and spiritually. And you can take that element now. Father, thank you for your presence. Thank you for your tender spirit that's here right now, Lord. Now come and bless your children as just as we are, Lord. How bless them with your presence in their life. I bless them, Lord, with the nearness of you. The knowing that you are close, that you hold them by their right hands and you will never leave them. And you'll never forsake them. Lord, and when you see them in trouble, you come running. Just like this man that was demon-possessed, Lord, you set him free. I bless them with open eyes to see your kingdom. And I bless them with loose lips to speak about your kingdom. About your love. In the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody said, Amen. Let's go have some coffee. God bless you guys.